In this episode, I'll talk about how to know if it's okay to push our horses to do something that seems hard for them. This is a really common question that all trainers and riders will have at some point with every horse. So here we go, episode 146, Pushing It. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. A student a while ago had asked a question inside the Dressage Naturally Land Facebook group, something I hope all of you are a part of, (laughs) because we get to have some pretty good uh, questions and posts and and, uh, discussions, quote-unquote discussions going in there. Anyway, so I was reviewing some some of these older questions that I had saved because I thought they would make interesting podcasts. And so this one popped out at me, and I thought, This could make an interesting podcast, and maybe now is the time. So the question was around um, how to know if she's pushing her horse too much. You know, is this necessary? Is she doing, you know, is it not good for him? How does she know? So I think I'll just start by um, reading the question, and then I'll read the answer that I gave in the Facebook group at the time, And then we'll just expand on it. Okay, so this is what she wrote. She said, how much support can we provide our horses before it's pushing or holding them somewhere they don't want to be? She says, I have a very long-bodied thoroughbred who I've been working with through the Sweet Spot course, and now we're easing into the Upward Spiral course while also taking lessons with a local eventing instructor who is amazing and follows very similar similar methodology, but would he would never admit that it's natural, LOL. She said, yesterday in my session, I had some moments of incredible lightness heading in the direction of collection. But in between those moments, I had to provide so much support with both the reins and my legs. Part of me says this is okay because he's learning and gaining new strengths and needs my support while he finds self-carriage. But part of me feels like I'm forcing him into being, quote, on the bit and not allowing him to find it naturally. But we've been going around forever without really making improvements in our dressage or his ability to collect, which my trainer says is because I don't push him enough. I'm definitely seeing good improvements. And my horse isn't offended by our training. He always lets me know. So I guess I'm just looking for thoughts from this community on where we can draw the line between supporting our horse so they can find the answer and forcing them into a quote-unquote frame with our legs, seat, and reins. All right, so before I read my answer at the time, I think there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in this question, and I'm sure many of you can relate to that. So I'm going to answer it in a few different layers. Uh, I, I wanted to pull out some of the key statements in there that are so common and uh, talk about a little bit more. So um, the idea that in between the moments of lightness that she did find, she had to use 
uh, what she said is so much support with both the reins and the legs. Now, a lot of times to really find, I'll say, I'm not going to say on the bit because that's not how I would describe it, but to find this posture together, depending on the horse, can sometimes take, you know, a lot of suggestion. And sometimes horses are not going to find it, quote unquote, naturally on their own. I mean, even in the dressage naturally system, you know, we're not, you know, just sending the message. We're, we're doing exercises to help the horse find it. And we're trying to do it in a way that um, prioritizes self-carriage and communication along the way. But there's still moments where, you know, we're doing something and we're looking for something and we're not there yet. And we're going to do some things to help them get there. We're not just staring at our horse going, you figure it out because it's, it's not natural for us to be on top of them in the first place. Uh, So some of this, you know, is yes, there's moments when I'm riding a horse, especially if they have Um, a history of a different kind of movement. So this is an off the track thoroughbred. It's already had training to do something completely different that you, you know, there's some, some things you got to do to find it. And if the rider's not experienced with this, then it makes sense that in the process of learning how to get this thing done, we're going to end up using probably either too little not enough of something or way too much of something. So there's the, what's, what's the natural best way for the horse to learn and the realities of that. And then what's the reality of trying to learn that and do it with this horse at the same time. So we, you know, just the fact that she's asking the question is great news. Be gentle with ourselves and just know that as you learn, and luckily this horse is not offended thank him every day because you get to practice this and learn this and hopefully you get more efficient at it. You get there better next time and everything can be as light as possible. But there's the reality of, (laughs) of the process. Now, the, another quote that I just wanted to pull out there, um, where she says he's gaining new strengths and needs the support while he finds self-carriage. So that's another thing that I probably wouldn't phrase it like that because horses are born with self-carriage. I mean, unless you have a horse that falls down a lot on all by himself, they have self-carriage. The next thing that we need to do when we start to ride them is to help them regain their self-carriage with us on their back. Now, the beginnings of that for me start out with riding on a long rein and why I prioritize being able to go on a long rein. It's like, hey, you know, you didn't fall down before I got on you. (laughs) Now I'd like you to not fall down. And while I am on you, I mean, that's the exaggeration, but you get the idea. Self-carriage, right? I should be able to ride a horse around as if they're comfortable transportation, not needing a lot of reins or leg, and we should be able to walk, trot, and canter like happy little campers. So that's the first order of support. If I don't have any self-carriage to start with, then I have to start with self-carriage. Who cares about the, you know, proper bend or posture? And I know there's some of you thinking, but the weight of the rider, it's so important that they get their correct posture because it's healthy. Yes. However, a lot of the source of poor posture is 
that we're needing the reins for speed control or turning or all these things. And when we find the natural self-carriage of a horse who's not bracing, not impulsive, not running, not trying to get to the left when the rider's going to the right, just happy camper, comfortable transportation, that's the best prerequisite for now improving their posture even better and taking them to Pilates <laughs> and doing dressage to get the healthier biomechanics. So um, that's where kind of built in into the dressage naturally system is we start with self-carriage. So I think what what she was describing is, let's say we have self-carriage, happy little camper. Now we're trying to connect with the horse and get that dance partner connection and find the connection with the reins and the pole high stretchable balanced posture, which, you know, some people call quote unquote on the bit that on the way to that, they often, uh, especially if you're trying to get them on the bit, will lose the feeling of self-carriage. They were fine. Now you've shortened the reins and you're trying to do stuff with their body and they're not there yet. So if they're not there yet, they're probably leaning on you and getting behind the leg or going too fast or feeling crooked or and bracing against it. And now their back is tighter than when they started. So that's where it can feel in the moment of, oh, they need to find their self-carriage. No, we just have to know we just messed up their self-carriage <laughs> and we haven't added the positive thing in yet. So that's where so many people um, end up and horses end up hating dressage because they were fine before they started dressage. Now they started trying to do it. They just got to the point where everybody's bumping into each other and they haven't gotten to the good stuff at the other end. So that's right where this this person is. And, and she's felt the light at the end of the tunnel. She's like, okay, it's a bit of a struggle. I'm using too much hand and leg. I feel like I'm holding it together, but ooh, those strides were really nice. They're like, wow, that's where we can go. So that is the reality is it feels like they lose self-carriage. We just have to know we're the ones that messed it up. <laughs> they could find it just fine if we just got off of them or dropped their reins, right? So um, it's about efficiently getting through that process. And that's kind of the goal of dressage naturally is to help horses and riders enjoy the process of getting there. So when you have another instructor that's maybe on a different timeline, and maybe even if they embrace a lot of the same principles, they maybe can't help the person through the dressage naturally version of the exercises. So, you know, you're just dealing with what, what you've got there and you want to try to get through it as efficiently as possible. So I love that she's, um, asking the question. So as we'll talk about, um, further in this podcast, you know, when she's like, I'm pushing my horse, um, you know, what do I do? Um, I answered it. Well, let me just, I'll just read how I answered it. How about that? Okay. So what I wrote at the time, and this is a couple of years ago, I think, um, I said, excellent question. <laughs> and then as an example, I said, um, when I've been in workout programs myself, there are definitely times when my coach has pushed me beyond what I could find myself. And I was grateful. There were also times when I was pushed by coaches and it actually made me lose trust. 
So what was the difference between those two moments? In the first one, my coach was making really good decisions based on experience as to what was possible. And I knew that I could say no and he would listen. And he didn't push me like that often, just when I needed it. And then the next day, he would let me give it a try by myself. Now, in the second one, the coach where when she pushed, I lost trust. I got the feeling that she was just pushing for the sake of pushing. She wasn't really paying attention to me. And she didn't listen when I said, I think I couldn't do it. So a little push and more quote unquote support. I'm going to be using a lot of air quotes in this podcast. (laughs) So with a little quote push and a little more quote support in order to find something that they might not find on their own is okay. So your horse doesn't, isn't going to naturally offer. Let me just get quote unquote on the bit. Um, can you push and give a little more support so they can find it? Yes, but sparingly. And make sure that the next times, um, now that you both know what you're looking for, you find a ways to find it quicker and allow your horse to offer it. So again, that self-carriage prioritization. Okay, I'm going to help you now, and then I'm going to let it go. Like you're a, I I make the joke, you're like a biomechanical superhero. You swoop in, you try to get something done and then you leave, right? Superman doesn't hang around and support you. He just swoops in, (laughs) does what he needs to do and then he leaves. And most of all, to listen to your horse, know your horse and know the difference between when your horse says, I'm not sure I can and please stop. This feels bad. So she had replied after that, and she said, this helps so much, three exclamation points. This really helps me feel better, but also know what to pay attention to as I help develop him. Thank you so much. Okay, so that was the original question and my answer that I thought, you know, this is a great subject and we can expand on this even more. And those of you who've listened to the pod know whenever I want to talk about something, I tend to go to the dictionary and look up, all right, well, what is the meaning of the word? So what is the meaning of the word push? So there's actually lots of definitions of the word push. So I'll just read all the ones that Merriam-Webster had. So push can mean to press against with force in order to drive or impel. It can mean to move or endeavor to move away or ahead by steady pressure without striking. It can mean to thrust forward, downward, or outward. It can mean to cause to increase. Push can mean to try to move beyond or expand. Push can mean to hit a ball towards the right from a right-handed swing or towards the left from a left-handed swing. (laughs) It can mean to press or urge forward to completion. Push can mean to urge or press the advancement, adoption, or practice of. 
It can mean to make aggressive efforts to sell. It can mean to engage in the illicit sale of narcotics. (laughs) That one probably does not apply here. Push can mean to bear hard upon so as to involve difficulty. And it can mean to approach in age or number. So (laughs) when we say, should I push my horse? It's like, wow, there's a lot of different meanings to that. So we, you know, it could be some don't apply. Some of those definitions don't apply to horses, but in ways you can see it could be beneficial to push. If we mean to urge or press the advancement, adoption, or practice of something, right? We just want to press forward. We want to like, hey, I want you to, I want to advance my counter canter. I want to have you adopt the practice of something. Let me push you a little bit here. It can mean to move beyond or expand, right? So in those definitions, they both kind of imply a push for a reason, right? So you're pushing for a reason. You want to advance um, a practice of something or you want to move beyond, right? So moving beyond, there's a measurable piece. I was here. (laughs) This other thing was ahead of me. I pushed, I moved beyond it. And so implied in in that means if you're pushing for a reason, then when you've achieved that reason, you've passed that, you've expanded beyond, (laughs) you've adopted this practice, now you don't need to push, right? So that's the returning to self-carriage, right? We're going to get through this moment, and it's a moment, and then I don't need to push. So it's not a way of life. Now, I'm a big proponent of small incremental steps, but the reality is sometimes we all need to be pushed, through a moment. Sometimes a small incremental step can still feel like a push. And, and sometimes those small incremental steps can feel like a push. It's like, oh my gosh, I've never done this. Oh my gosh, this looks so hard. And when you actually do push through, then you'll often feel like, oh, (laughs) that was it. That wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. And so that's a kind of moment where Um, you can push and it could be a really positive thing for yourself or for your horse. So if I'm deciding to adopt a pushing strategy, it's probably because I'm going to know or, well, take a best guess. I'm going to take a best guess that when they actually do the thing that I'm asking them to do or pushing them to do, they're going to, I want them to think at the other end of that, like, oh, (laughs) That wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Now, building strength or stamina also can require a push. So we have to be very aware of how much we take out that draw, right? So, you know, I think about like um, savings accounts, right? So you have your relationship savings account and most of the time you're putting stuff in, you're building, you're building that savings account of your relationship. But every now and then you're going to have to take something out and go, okay, this one's going to be a little challenging. And we push, there are those air quotes again, we push them 
And maybe, you know, that was a hard day or a hard moment. And maybe it wasn't as light and beautiful. And there weren't as many butterflies and daisies growing <laughs> as you did it. So we're taking some draw out. Maybe they're, maybe they leave thinking, huh, that actually was kind of hard or I'm a little tired or whatever it is. And we can't do that every day, every moment, or we're going to have nothing left in the bank account. We got to put stuff back in. Now, there was a time when I was training for a marathon, I actually paid someone to push me. <laughs> and I loved it. And I was really grateful, right? But if I didn't trust or like my trainer, and especially if I had never asked to do a marathon in the first place, he would have had a lot of partnership building to do to get me to do those runs. And so that's the same kind of situation for your horse, right? I decided, hey, I want to do a marathon. I'm going to train. I'm going to pay you. Please push me. <laughs> push me just right. <laughs> right? So I was willing to take some of this pushing. I had a bigger threshold because I asked for it. But our horses haven't asked for any of this, right? So we've got to do a lot more partnership building because our horse doesn't come up and pay us and go, could you push me, please? I really want to do that, those bigger jumps or those fancier skipping things <laughs> across the, the diagonal. Now there's limits to pushing also. So we don't want to push um, or play past fatigue. I mean, we, we don't really want to get into fatigue mentally or physically. So this question actually seems to be um, not so much about just pushing in general, but more about um, supporting that posture, right? Holding them together, that sort of thing. Um, and so I thought I'd talk a little bit more about that because in principle, we don't really want to do, well, I don't want, I'll speak for myself. I don't really want to feel like I'm holding my horse together or supporting them. However, there are moments where it's okay to do that and to kind of keep a close container in order to preserve a particular balance for a moment. For a moment is the key phrase there. So when you use a technique of supporting your horse, holding them together, getting it, getting her done, I think it needs to be done sparingly and super consciously. Or your support, there were air quotes around there, support becomes a crutch and pretty soon you're working against self-carriage. Self-carriage is actually lost and prevented. You can have a horse that started out in good self-carriage and you start supporting them, you're going to lose it. Self-carriage is easily lost. Legs have to stay on. Rain contact ends up having to be strong all the time. And it feels like the evidence is telling you to keep it on because if you take your legs off or you take your reins off or you let go for a minute, it all falls apart. But that's not evidence that you need to support them. It's evidence that you've been supporting them a little too much. So that, if you're in that situation where um, 
your legs are having to stay on, your rain contact has to be strong or else it falls apart. That's not, you know, a push. That's not pushing anymore, like pushing through a moment. You're just now perpetuating lack of self-carriage. And I don't think anyone finds that feeling of having to be held together fun or desirable ultimately. So if you're in that stage, you're really pushing it with your pushing it. (laughs) Then here's the thing. If you push in the sense of holding things together, like I'm pushing them into my contact, I'm pushing, you know, I'm, I think it's, you know, again, some people would say, no, that's not pushing, that's pulling. (laughs) That's holding, you know, so, but this question asker was using that term pushing. So if you're pushing it all together and holding it together, for too long, things will fall apart. That's practically guaranteed. It will no longer be harmonious education and balanced riding. It's going to be turning into physical control. So, so, but I understand the reality. So, so yeah, I may keep my aids really close through a first counter canner around the short side, because that might be a better training decision than letting the horse keep splatting into the trot a million times in a row, right? So come up to do the counter canner. I've decided that I think it's fair, reasonable, and possible. The horse approaches, sees that short side coming up, goes, ah, and splats to the trot. So if I ride the counter canner the way I ultimately want to ride it, Um, and that horse isn't confident, it might keep splatting into the trot. Where if I can do a little push around the short side, meaning I'm going to hold them together, I'm going to make sure it happens, and I get through the short side, and maybe the horse goes, oh, I could actually that, I could do that. (laughs) That wasn't as hard as I thought. Then, you know, maybe that was a wise training decision. I could also say that maybe I needed to set up a different circumstance and build the horse's confidence. So that would be a slower road, just as good. But there are times when just keeping it together, getting it done, showing the horse what they can do, pushing it for that moment can actually work. And it's it it can be in many ways the the kindest way to do it. So here's the thing. If I have to do that every time, you know, if, if they, if they don't come out the other end thinking, wow, that was easy. I could, I didn't know I could do that. And then the next time, you know, then they're not more confident and I have to keep my aids on and keep my aids on. And then pretty soon my instruction and aid, you know, hand a book for counter canner with this horse is keep your outside leg back, really keep it on, keep that inside. You know, it has like a long list of aids and that's strong. And they're getting stronger each time because now he's getting better at trying to wiggle out of it because he's losing confidence. That's pretty good evidence that um, that was not a good training decision because things are getting worse and some prerequisite is missing. So that means I have to go back and build the pieces and not head in the wrong direction of proving to myself, ah, see, I need to really push him together in the counter canner because he's not able to do it by himself. Well, if if that's the theme, then I need, I, I missed some homework. 
And so, you know, I talked about maybe I can push them for a brief moment. So what is that brief moment? Is it just a few strides? One, three, 10? Is it just a short side? Well, that's 20 meters. How about 25? Is that okay? Is that still brief? Is 40 meters still brief? How about, you know, one session? If I have to do it in just one session, what about two sessions? Is that okay if I do have to do it twice? <laughs> and these are great questions. I hope that those were questions in your mind because those are the those are great questions. And it's a really hard question to answer because the answer is always, it depends. Whenever we feel like we're holding things together, we need to be doing it with the goal to be able to let go. And so I would say, you know, err on the side of trying not to hold things together and push things together, pull things together, whatever word you want to use. If you do that strategy, do it consciously, do it for a brief moment, meaning a particular deadline that you are trying to expand upon to use counter canter. I want to be able to counter canter the entire short side. Great. So if you get that done, stop, think about it, reward your horse. Think about how you're going to do it. Are you going to practice that again that day? Or are you going to leave it and try it again the next day? Whatever that thing is, just make sure it has a, um, a clear goal. You do it, you try it, you stop and you think about it before you do it again. So where this goes wrong quickly is you get it done and then you do it again and then you do it again. And then one more time, the biggest lie most trainers tell you, (laughs) tell their students one more time, (laughs) just one more time. I, I used to be very guilty of that one more time. Okay. One more time, 50 times later. So again, if you're in a moment where, whoop, I think I need a lot of aids, be very clear on what you're trying to do. Come up with the best way that you think of doing it as efficiently as possible. Do it for a brief moment and then stop and think about it and see if there's something else that you could do better. Sometimes students feel um, awkward having a close connection. So I think it's important to know that it is possible to have a very close connection with your horse and still have it not feel pushed or held together. And I want to bring this up because especially a lot of people coming from more um, natural, whatever that means, those are air quotes again, (laughs) foundation or a foundation where the prioritization has been on harmony and self-carriage and being able to ride with no reins from the beginning. Sometimes um, students coming from that background are just kind of hypersensitive to when their reins are short. And sometimes just being a, a good dance partner, they question and they think, oh my gosh, my reins have been short for too long. Am I holding it together? You know, am I forcing my horse when they're not forcing their horse? They're just close, right? And sometimes, especially doing gymnastic, you know, precise exercises, that closeness is necessary. So one way to know whether you're being just close and an excellent dance partner through a precise exercise versus, oh my God, I'm holding them together 
is to do those self-carriage checks. And so people who ride with me know that because self-carriage is so high on the (laughs) priority list that, you know, I'm always doing, do a self-carriage check, do a self-carriage check, show me one rein, the other rein, both reins, and just keep checking that you can be close so you're helping things, but in any moment you should be able to put a loop in the rein for a step or two and not have things fall apart. So that's one way to check. Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are gonna be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. If you're not sure if your closeness is turning into holding together or pushing, take your leg off, take your reins off for a second and nothing should fall apart unless you're in the crux of that counter canter short side, you know, but in general, like after that counter canter short side's done and you're back in the right direction again, you should be doing a million self-care checks and nothing should be falling apart. So, and, and the other thing you want to check is that you can go back to a more basic exercise And those more basic exercises should be better. So if I've pushed in a productive, valuable way, let's say I'm cantering, I get, I finally get that counter canter. I support my horse through the counter canter. We come out on the other side. We're back on the true direction. Self-carriage is there. I take a break. The, the basics should be better. He should be more balanced now and better able to do self-carriage. The canter quality should be better going in the true canter because now he's compared it to counter canter. He's like, oh my gosh, true canter is a piece of cake, right? So whatever it is you're pushing, go back and check your basics, your foundational things. If you've pushed in a positive way, the basics are better. If you've pushed in a way that you ended up supporting or holding it together, then your basics will be worse. And that's a pretty good guideline. I think that's, that's helpful. And this is something that, you know, as I advance horses up the levels in dressage, I keep checking like, well, what if I just go freestyle? What if I do something that they used to do easily a long time ago? Should be better. Maybe needs to be tuned up. They just reminded, remember this thing exists, but in general, it should be better. So that's a pretty good rule of thumb. 
if things start feeling too complicated, um, then probably you're starting to hold things together. And so this is always the game with horses, right? How do we know enough to be clear and successful without ending up holding everything together, which really never works in the end? How do we stay light and not overdo things yet still progress and move through the uncomfortable zones, which is the nature of learning and training? How do we stay close enough to maintain balance yet independent enough that they stay responsible for their half of the balance equation? And how do we maintain that self-carriage yet still help set them up for success? That's the game. But that's also why I think it's so important to have a framework for prioritization with your horse. I use what I call my happy athlete training scale, where it starts with happy individuals in harmony together, then focuses on communication. And when you have that, and you have your happy partner and comfortable transportation, then we focus on healthy movement. And after that, gymnastic development and sports-specific training. If you have this as a guideline, then you can make better decisions and assessments. So if you push so much trying to get better biomechanics that you're now nagging and controlling, and communication is getting worse, and now your horse isn't happy to see you, then you know you have a problem. But if you push your horse one day, and then you assess him and realize that he's actually super happy to come out and play the next day, and things are lighter and freer, then you know you made a great decision. So if you have a good heart, and you're making conscious training decisions, followed by keen observation and objective assessment, you'll be all right. Push to urge forward and expand beyond. It's a moment, not a way of life. Now, I also made a little quiz that you can take to assess you and your horse um, as far as the happy athlete training scale. And you can get to that at dressagenaturally.net slash quiz. And it'll help you understand where you need to focus. And based on your answers, I'll guide you to some more things that you can read, watch, or listen to. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.